All right, welcome back. Uh, it's another impromptu episode of The World According to Us. I'm sorry, I've been gone for a, a minute, maybe a little bit more than that. I'm having some uh, personal events and issues to attend to. But um, I wanted to do this podcast in lieu of watching a couple of court cases uh, this month. And in particular, I've been paying attention and waiting for this trial for the killers of Ahmaud Arbery to be brought to justice. And then following the Kenosha shooter in Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, I haven't commented as early as I could have because I'm still digesting you know, a lot of days of testimony and uh, back and forth between lawyers, arguments, opening statements, uh, witness testimony, and then the judges and the cases. And I want to start with first with Ahmaud Arbery's case, excuse me, Ahmaud Arbery's case, because that's the more pressing one to me going back even before George Floyd. And I remember when it, it broke and I shared that feed on uh, WhatsApp with some co-workers of mine, how uh, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wait a minute, time the F out. It's 2020, and we're talking about a broad daylight modern lynching of another brother right here in the good old U.S. of A., and not only do we have video of it by the perpetrator, or one of the perpetrators or accessories to his killing, his lynching, but nothing was done about it for two and a half months. So now we fast forward to... November here where we have the trial going on and I'm almost in disbelief like we're in the twilight zone watching the defense attorney for William Roddy Bryan make his arguments to the judge about who should and shouldn't be in the gallery watching the proceedings when you already have (laughs) I mean a stacked jury for the basic, uh, how would you put it? Basically, it's nothing different from earlier representations of predominantly Caucasian juries that were friendly enough to make sure that white supremacist killers got off with murder. And in particular of God's chosen, aka melanated, aka black Americans, whenever They felt like it. So injustice and the miscarriage of justice is nothing new. But to see it in living color, contemporary time, 2021. I'm just uh, (laughs) at a loss of words. It's almost comical, but it's not comical because we know that this is real life and real lives being lost. And justice not being served. So watching intently to see how this goes. Because to me, what we have to look at is what message are we receiving as first of citizens of the United States of America and then secondarily as individual groups in America and particularly quote unquote black Americans, a.k.a. God's chosen people as I refer to us. What are we being told? 
What should be our approach going forward? If we are going to see that no justice is going to be carried out, I think that it's safe to say that there's some action that needs to be taken that needs to be radical and totally different from what we've been seeing and doing in order to affect change because the same old song and dance isn't seeming to work. Hasn't worked. And if just the mere presence of us intimidates, frightens, is licensed to kill, then we need to do something else to protect ourselves. Because clearly the state, the government, the courts, law enforcement, nobody is coming to our defense. That said, I want to talk about key moments with the particular defense attorney for William Roddy Bryant and certain comments that he made. I'll get into that in a moment. Be right back after this break. Stay tuned. All right. Let me get to it. Continue with that uh, last point of reference. You have an overtly racist, at least by my perspective, openly racist defense attorney for William Roddy Bryant and Attorney Goff. I don't even want to give credence to his full name. Let's just go by Goff. That's his last name. Stating to the judge that he was concerned at the mere presence of the Reverend Al Sharpton in the gallery for Ahmaud Arbery's family during the court proceedings. And literally said out of his own tomb, I mean, I can't even believe he fixed his lips to say that we don't want any more quote-unquote black pastors coming up in here. No more Jesse Jacksons or whoever that that would be uh, potentially. Not that he's saying it, but somehow... Of course, you're the one who's saying it or bringing it to the judge's attention that you feel the presence of Al Sharpton or any number of black pastors or religious leaders who would be coming in support of the family of Ahmaud Arbery to watch the proceedings of this criminal trial to hold accountable his killers, that that would be intimidating or put undue political pressure on the jury. But you're not saying that if it was a white pastor or pastors, right? (laughs) I mean, how more overtly racist can you get by even bringing this up? Not to mention the fact that he's an inept defense attorney. That side of of, uh, taking into account, he actually stood up there and said this in front of national cameras to the judge and the world that he was concerned about Reverend Al Sharpton intimidating the jury whereas nobody else even knew or recognized that he was in the courtroom he himself didn't know until somebody else in his legal team brought it to his attention after they had lunch what does that tell you I mean, I, it boggles the mind. I'm just like, I I think actually when I first saw it during the week, 
I was such an, uh, <laughs> uh, taken aback and, uh, disbelief, uh, state of mind of shock that I glossed over it initially. Like, well, that's par for the course. Uh, let's get to what is the judge's response going to be to this nonsensical statement that this idiot is actually putting forth where he clearly knows that his clients have no defense or in particular, his client has no defense for his role in the lynching of Ahmaud Arbery. And this is more red herring fodder being thrown up to try to distract or dissuade or to give an excuse as to why there should be some sort of grounds for appeal when he's found guilty, which he most certainly should be. Um, I don't fully get the, the judge entirely, but the judge actually seemed at least in his response, why he could have gone a whole lot harsher, at least if I was the judge, and we all know, they don't want me to be the judge. But if I was the judge, I would have admonished him immediately. Not only that, this low-life maggot had the nerve to come out his mouth and say after that, that if there was a bunch of people dressed up as Colonel Sanders with white masks, <laughs> I shit you not, you can't make this stuff up. He said that there was a bunch of people dressed up like Colonel Sanders. Think about that. Dressed up like KFC man himself, Colonel Sanders, with white masks on in the back of the gallery of the court, which is already limited because of COVID protocols. That that would be intimidating as if he's trying to uh, backhand, you know, wash or massage the, the disgusting, uh, repugnant, statement that he made about we don't want any any more black passes in here they can have one but no more than one who the part of my language and forgive me lord for going there but who the fuck are you to sit there and tell the victim's family how many passes they could and could not have to show up in support of them in seeking justice for their murdered loved one i mean just for one second if we and, and this is for all the, the ones who want to cry about race baiting and all of that. I mean, we know what that is in and of itself. Because it doesn't come from us. We didn't create racism. So let's attack it head on in context of how they play this game and these tools of labeling. If we were to put, quote unquote, race aside and say, okay, if it's your loved one, if it's your family member, who was hunted down, hit with a truck, blocked in, chased, ultimately given three shotgun blasts from a 12 gauge at close range, recorded on video in broad daylight, left to die in the road, no aid rendered while he lays there still dying, police on the scene while they interview his killers, and let them give their lying accounts of what they felt happened. Whether or not you would want the defense attorney for your loved one's killers to be able to say to the judge that any person who was in the gallery who has shown any support towards your family should be barred from being able to sit in the gallery. Mind you, not participating, not having any outbursts, not even being noticed. 
I mean, the absurdity of that on its face tells you everything you need to know about America, period, bar none, exclamation point. And we're still not done. It gets even deeper. When you get into the actual testimony of witnesses and in the cross-examination by this same uh, defense attorney, Goff. I mean, I don't know how it works down south, but I can tell you that it doesn't seem to take a whole lot to become a criminal defense attorney when you're from the south. Uh, Especially in those parts. And when you're of that particular uh, ethnic group, it seems to me. Take that for what you want. Because he seems to be one of the most incompetent, arrogant, racist, dumbass attorneys that I've ever seen on camera. And yet, this is who William Roddy Bryant chose to defend him. God is great. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right. I had to uh, give myself a quick refresher uh, and watch again his comments. And I'm referring to defense attorney golfer William Roddy Bryant in the Ahmaud Arbery uh, lynching trial. The main defendants, Travis McMichael and Greg McMichael, they absolutely should be in the foreground. But somehow, William Roddy Bryant has been... Now that I think about it, I almost have to wonder if the tactic is not to distract from Travis Michael and Greg McMichael and have William Roddy Bryant play the buffoon and Patsy that didn't know what he was doing and his defense attorney playing the role of inept and incompetent counsel or playing to the racist tendencies and strengths of the nation and in particular the judicial system the way it operates overtly you know that's the thing I think and that's part of the wave and the appeal that you have with Donald Trump because I would say this all the time and not to go off on a tangent too much but the either or or the left right fallacy the paradigm it's either this way or that way. There can't be anything else, no other option in a system that is designed no matter which way you are when you're not of the dominant society or quote-unquote white supremacy. What you get is an entirely different experience in terms of what America is supposed to be and represents. And that's the frustration and the schizophrenia of the nation, I guess you could say. So, microcosm, as you now, or as I now, reflect on the Ahmaud Arbery case, because I'm wondering on one hand, is it, am I thinking too deeply into this? Is this satire? Is this a play being put on theatrics to amuse us, uh, to pass the time now, because we're moved on from the George Floyd trial and Breonna Taylor not even having one? And so many others that just get mentioned for like a month or a week and then they're gone because the next one is there. Um, This trial, I was like, no, we cannot let this slide. And it's a shame that it took 
the heinous is not of George Floyd's because that was, I mean, think about it. America has two, and I would hate to put it, and I probably shouldn't have put it, let's just say for the sake of argument, for artistic purposes, because we know biopics are a thing, and they will happen. Somebody is going to make a major feature film about George Floyd's murder as well as Ahmaud Arbery's long after these cases have faded from you know, current memory. But right now in the contemporary, and I know I'm a little bit off on the tangent, but the reason why I'm saying that is because in the grand scheme of things, let's assume yeah, you're fully invested, as I'm invested in the outcome of this case. Even if you have you know preconceived notions going into as far as what the outcome will be, realizing that it goes even deeper or beyond just this case as massive and as important as it is the in a sense it's like stripping away the veil of the matrix or as they say the code and actually seeing what it really is versus what's been pulled over our eyes I I don't I don't know I guess I'm the ultimate optimist and always assuming that somehow some way with everything stacked up and lined up just right there's no way that justice can be denied only to realize that in this world and in this system don't be surprised by anything because just when you think you've seen it all you'll see it again something else that's just like wow but in the actual Now, getting back to this attorney for William Roddy Bryant, Mr. Goff, whose antics and shenanigans is probably a more, uh, how would you say, tamed or, t- <laughs> yeah, tamed would be a good adjective, uh, a more tamed uh, way of describing this person and his antics um, it's a distraction on one hand I don't know how effective it is because maybe it, maybe it is because we're talking about it and pundits are talking about it mainstream media heads are talking about it but if you're not a person that is easily distracted or you see it and you it might be, what's a good analogy? Like your dog. If you have a dog or a pet and you have multiple toys, what you do to keep the, the pet from being uh, bored, you entice it with one, maybe two toys at a time, and you give them to see which one that they bite on for, whichever the one that you can convince them to play with longer, keeps them from the one that you don't really necessarily want them to focus on until like maybe later on. And I think that's the same analogy here with this trial. Maybe golf is that toy that you put out front and you let everybody you know, sink their teeth into his nonsense because it's so right there, low-hanging fruit, ready for the ah, pounce on it, right? And the whole time in the background, you're looking at it and saying, look, all those other videos that they showed during their testimony uh, with uh, William Brady Bryant's uh, defense attorney, with law enforcement and what their role was in trying to blame shift 
and talking about the reenactment of the drive and then also going inside the home and all of that, you start to see that at the end of the day, that might just be the strategy between these attorneys, a distraction. Look over here, not over here. Don't look over here until I want you to look over here. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I don't know, but one thing's for sure. At this stage of the, the trial, uh, and I have to research and, and really educate myself as to what are the stakes? What's the maximum sentence allowed for whatever the charges are for all three um, defendants, co-defendants? If the McMichaels are facing the same amount of jail time or more, you know, uh, and culpability for Roddy Brown. He clearly, they're going to say, well, he didn't do it, but we know how American rules work with law. Accessory. And he was an active and willing accessory and then says he didn't know why he did it. So there was an allusion to the defense saying, or at least a political or experts or, or, or legal experts or um, law enforcement experts that were paneled and giving their opinions on it, when asked, they're saying, well, maybe the defense attorney, uh, Mr. Goff, is setting up the jury and those of us who are watching and invested in the case for some sort of uh, incompetence or insanity defense for uh, Mr. William Roddy Bryant because they're trying to say he's too stupid to know what he was doing uh, somehow um, he just joined in ignorantly it's like is that the culture of Georgia in rural Georgia by and larger is that something else you're speaking to that's part of the underbelly the fabric of quote unquote red blooded true American America you know what I mean? I don't know. It's just, wow. It's amazing to be alive at this time. Even to have the freedom and the technology at your hand to be able to express your thoughts and reach God knows how many millions and billions of people if their ears are open and willing to listen. I mean, you don't have to be anybody. Even if you are somebody and and even if you're not necessarily some known somebody, just being anybody, the average, every ordinary, everyday person, you're here for a purpose. And if you are able to connect with people and share ideas and information and knowledge and morals and common sense and decency and intelligence and, you know, that yearning for justice and truth. Um. yeah you're interested in cases like this and the ones before and the countless ones before and the ones who will surely come after you know we want justice where is she 